0: I want you to open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And I hope that you'll be praying for next week now. Brother, uh, Brother uh, Bill's already told you about all the things that are going on. And we just want to see God uh, do something every time we get together. And he is still in our midst doing some special things this summer. And we just want to praise him for every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father. And in a moment... I'm going to read to you a scripture from the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah. We're going to speak on the subject of how do you deal with stress? I I want to ask you, this is a rhetorical question. You don't have to raise your hand or or cry or scream. But uh, is anybody here under stress? You know, has anybody been on the freeway this week? (laughs) If you're not, you've met several that are. But sometimes you you come upon a subject scripturally, like sin, that is relevant to everybody. And another thing that's relevant to everybody is what I'm going to talk to you about today, is how do you deal with stress? Now, before I read the scripture, let me make a few comments. First of all, stress is not all bad. And I'll try to show you that in the message Now, to get distressed, uh, that's that's another situation. But there is so much in the Bible that tells us that these things are going to happen to you. These are common to man. And when they happen, God says, I will make a way of escape. And that we can take that which is bad and intended to be bad by Satan and with God's help turn it into something good. And so when we read the text here in a moment... Uh, I I want to make some remarks before before I read it to you to kind of get your attention. I'm going to go back in history. Did you know that Oliver Cromwell, the British statesman, said that Isaiah chapter 40 is the greatest chapter in the Bible? He said Isaiah dipped his pen in golden glory when he wrote Isaiah chapter 40. I wonder how many of you know that Handel, that wrote The Messiah, that incredible piece of music that he wrote and uh, his uh, autobiography says he threw ink all over the, the uh, scroll as he was uh, writing it on the tablet, that because of his excitement of God just speaking through him that incredible uh, piece of music that's been sung through the centuries to literally millions and millions of people. But he said, That the inspiration for the Messiah was the 40th chapter of Isaiah. Martin Luther, when he stood at the council at the Diet of Worms in 1521 and said, Here I stand, I can do no other. Much of what this man stood for, his foundation scripturally, often got him back into the 40th chapter of uh, Isaiah. Now from American history that you may or may not know, did you know that there was a time in American history when the nation was going to pick its national bird? Okay, you with me now? Well, they got into a runoff. The birds, number one, was the bald eagle. The number two bird was the turkey. The Honorable Ben Franklin lobbied for the turkey. Aren't you glad he lost? And I understand it was just by a vote. Can you imagine what it's like for your nation to be identified with a turkey? I mean, you're talking about something that's down there always on the bottom. I mean, turkeys get run over by cars, Thanksgiving is not a good day for a turkey. Christmas is not a good day for a turkey. Uh, Eagles kill turkeys. Uh, Hunters shoot turkeys. I mean, turkeys? No, but the eagle one. Now, with that in mind, let me read the text. And you'll see where I hope that I'm going with this. This is verse 28 of Isaiah 40. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But listen to... Listen. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. In that stress is a common thing for all people. It is good to be able to open God's holy word and see that God addresses the issue. There is no reason for a Christian to live in the stress of this world. The Bible says you can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And stress is one of the things that it'll set you free from. But in this quick, uh, in this age where we have the quick cash and the mad dash, someone is is said we hurry and we worry and we bury. It just seems as though. As a believer, we need to get a hold of this and capture it so we can apply it to our life every single day. And if you are not a believer, to know that this is something that goes with what's called a new birth in the Bible. The Bible says you must be born again and we can come out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that stress causes darkness in the lives of so many that never come up to their potential. They are never able to receive from God everything he wants to give them because of their stress and their anxieties and the pressure that they feel upon them, not taking advantage of the fact that that the burden that you carry can be lifted if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I read this week that Americans consume 27 million pounds of aspirins every year. That's a lot of aspirins, a lot of headaches. USA Today recently said that 75 million adults and 3.6% of children three to 18 years of age have high blood pressure. Stress, main cause. As I walked through the valley in recent weeks, I I came up with something known as shingles. Everybody told me that's due to stress. Well, I had them when I was eight years old. I don't remember what I had stressed out about then, but I know recently. But the point is that when you know the truth, the truth can set you free. When you understand that God never intended for us to live in stress if we're his children. Jesus knew how to take his burden to the Father and leave it there. He knew how to get up and walk. He knew that how the story was going to end. Not my will, he said to the Father after saying, If it be possible, take this stress off of me, but not my will, let thine be done. And of course, we know the end of that story. But I want you to look at this problem with me for just a few more minutes. What is stress? Well, some have said it's a a gap. It's a gap between the demands that are placed upon us and the strength we have to carry out those stresses or those pressures. There seems never to be enough time, never to be enough money, never be enough opportunity. We know to do right, but we don't do it. And somehow we have let this thing creep up on those of us that are believers. And we as believers, if we're not careful, we can get just as stressed as the world gets. And it breaks the heart of God because he says you can know the truth and the truth can set you free. And one of the freedoms is freedom from stress. There's a difference in stress and being distressed. But stick with me for just a few moments. Teenagers aren't immune to it. They have stress. If you watch the news, maybe you're old enough to read the papers. Most of it, you do it with fear and trembling. You wonder what's happened today around the world. And where is this world headed? This Bible tells you exactly where it's headed. It can almost be your calendar to see where it's headed. And in this journey, the Lord has said to his children, I want you to be like me. I want you to know the Father, to take your burden to the Father and learn how to deal with stress because you cannot avoid it. You are going to be tempted to get stressed out just like everybody else. But when you know the way that's higher than man's ways, then good things can come even out of stress. I'll give you some causes real quick. Number one, we get stressed because of the demand of service, the demand for our time. I need you. When well, you got a minute, I need to talk to you. Could you come over and help me? The company always wanting to move to a higher plateau, I mean, there's always this stress of war and rumors of war that the Bible says they're going to happen. And we get up wondering, where's the next bomb? Where's the next explosion? Where's the next disaster? I mean, that is the world in which we live. And then there's that pressure to perform. We want to be very good at what we do. We want to make sure that our performance meets the expectation of those that are watching. We want to be accepted by our friends. We want to be accepted by our peers. We want people to call us their friend and want us to be a part of what they're doing. I mean, I'm just shocked at people. And I know a lot of them, they get stressed out if they don't get invited to a party. I'm trying to figure that out. Why would you get stressed out about that? I mean, you know, that parties can wear you out. You, you, you look around and say, but I just don't think they don't love me because they didn't invite me to their party. God says, no, because I love you, I saw that you didn't get invited. Because I had something else I wanted you to do that night. I had something else I wanted you to do that day. I plan your life. Other people don't plan your life. I mean, we are controlled by everything around us. It tells us what we can do, when we can do it, and so forth and so on. I mean, we say we got freeways. Have you been on them recently? Because if you'll read them, they're not near as free as you heard they were. There may be no tolls, but when it says you don't drive on this after 9 o'clock at night until three days later, you are stressed out. Why? Because that's the world. But again, I'm preaching to you about Jesus. He said, I've overcome the world. I am in charge. You know, sometimes I'll put detours in your way. I move you from here to over there, and many of us have lived long enough when we've seen the exact thing happen and find out if it wouldn't have been for the detour, we would have never discovered the good that was right over there. But God put up the blockade. He kept us away. Almost I got hit by that train. Or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. But the point I'm trying to make is very simple. God controls his kids. If his kids will listen to what he says. That's the reason a prayer time is important. That's reading, reading the Bible every day is important. Reading the proverb of the day is very important. That's all part of what God wants us to do. You know, even Jesus got tired of serving. Did you know that? You remember that story of the woman that came by and touched him? And he stopped. He said, somebody touched me. I felt energy, virtue come out of me. He had that problem. But he knew how to deal with it when it came. He knew how to turn that which was intended to be bad to become new. You know, any time you minister to somebody, some strength will go out of you. Anytime you do as Jesus did and begin to minister to others and and want to make sure that, that others know their love, not only by God, but by you, there is some strength that goes out of you. You remember the story about Jesus? He got so tired. He got in a boat, went out in a storm, and went to sleep. Went to sleep. I live on the water. I'm telling you, when the storms come, I don't see anybody sleeping. I mean, they're running to the hardware store. They're they're nailing, doing all kinds. of. It is panic. Only Jesus can go through a storm and sleep through it. And how good it is when you walk with God and know that he holds the whole world in his hand, including you. And he says, nobody's going to touch you without my permission. But let him bear your burdens. Let him take the stress. That's what he wants to do. But that being said, he has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And if we don't walk in that plan, then we miss the purpose for which we have been created. When strength goes out of us, then we get under stress. Whenever you get tired, you don't drive good. You don't think good. Your emotions are not good. I mean, we can go on and on. But here in the back of our mind is Isaiah 40. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as seagulls. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. You know what? It disturbs the majority of this world today as to how Christians can be so calm in the storm that we're in. I know sometimes we panic inwardly and sometimes outwardly. But you know, there's a peace that comes to a believer that passes all understanding. There, there is something that comes to a true believer to let go and let God. We never question his timing. We never question his authority. We never question his wisdom. We never find ourselves taking medications to calm ourselves down. We just be still and know that he is God. You know, there's another thing. The dissipation of sin is another cause of stress. You remember Samson? I mean, when Samson was alive, he could whip any heavyweight champion that there ever was. He could tear up a line, take a line, rip his jaws out. He could rip city gates off of hinges and kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. But you know what he couldn't handle? A woman. And he got stressed out. And when he got stressed out, he messed up. That's what happens. That's the reason the devil wants you to get stressed. When we get stressed, we get vulnerable. And so when we come to that point and we look around, why is people learn from other people's mistakes? And Samson is a good person to, to uh, look to. And we can find another hundred in the Bible to look to. So rather than find out if it'll happen to you, it will happen to you. It will happen to, you, will happen to me. But if we'll just let God take over, good things can happen. Sin weakens us, all of us. Any sin that's unconfessed in my life and in your life, is weakens us. That's the reason it's important to confess them and repent of them. And watch what God does. When we repent, we turn from them. When we confess them, we pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then take it from there. But you know the devices of Satan are so real. Anything that messes with your mind. Anything the eye sees. That's transmitted to the mind. And it is wrong. There's some consequences that are going to come from it. That's the reason the Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. That's the reason the Bible warns us. Stay out of the situations where you're more likely to be tempted to fall for what the majority in that particular situation fall for. But there's something else. There's the promise of strength that comes to believer. Again, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. He that is in me is greater than he that's in the world. That's not the prayer of the preacher. That's the prayer of the believer. That's the promise of the believer that there's no weapon that's going to form against us that's going to prosper because this is inheritance of the children of God. God has just laid it out there. And verse 31 says in our text, it says that those that do the right things, verse 31, wait on the Lord and you will renew your strength. Wait on God to talk to you in your prayer room. Wait on God to talk to you in the scripture. Wait on God to talk to you through someone else that's trying to help you with the teaching or the preaching or the singing of the word of God. Some friend that will come up to you and you know they're your friend and they see that you're weakening and they see that you're under stress. They see that you're falling apart. Listen to them. God has sent them there and let them walk with you through this valley you know when you get saved you don't change you really exchange you change what's in you for what's in him you don't change what's in here you swap off who you are in the flesh with who he is in the spirit that's a big difference folks as he is, so we're to be in this world. I can do all things through Christ with strength. Those scriptures, they need to just flow back out and out because that is the simple formula. Most people will read that. They that wait on the Lord. Well, that's me. I'm going to take six months vacation. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to go to Hawaii and, and get me a nice something to drink and sit by the pool and watch the sunrise and wait on God to straighten this stuff out. That's not probably God's plan. What he wants you to do is spend some time with him. Take some time off and get with him. Talk to him. Listen to him. You say, well, I've never heard him. Well, read it out loud and then you will hear him. This is what he wants to say to you. That's the reason you need to read the proverb of the day. The 31 Proverbs, read one every day based on that day. But you don't just sit around waiting on God. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to come. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just waiting on God. I'm having my quiet time. No, you're not. You're asleep. <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything spiritually. You just wanted some more rest because you haven't awakened out of your loneliness. But you know what? If you're down two strikes, if you know anything about baseball, I remember my dad so much in the stands when I was playing baseball. And Little League and high school and college. My dad was in the stands and I was at bat and I got two strikes on me. I don't care where my dad was. If I could hear his voice, he always said the same thing. Son, it just takes one to hit it. See, I'm talking to some folks this morning. You already got two strikes against you. Probably if you're over 60 years old, you got two strikes against you for sure. And that's the reason that you need to take this message seriously today. But aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Don't you wish you could live a few weeks in victory? Don't you wish you could trust God and take Him at His word? Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to be a leader and not a follower? Don't you want to read the Bible that says... Wide is the way that leads to eternal destruction and many that will go therein, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few there are that'll find it. The way that leads to eternal life is not where the majority is. Why do you want to be like your culture? Why do you want to be like the majority? Why don't you take the narrow way and separate yourself from the world and cling to the old rugged cross and the empty tomb and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? That's what he wants you to do. And you won't find one person that ever did that that said, that was the biggest mistake I ever made in my life. They'll all say, I wish I'd done it a long time ago. Oh, I wished I'd have let God make some of those decisions that I made that were so bad, so bad. There's four verses I want to leave you with. These will be real quick. Psalm 62, 1. Psalm 62, 1. To wait on the Lord... And to get free from stress, it means to long for Him. Listen to Psalm sixty-two, one: "Truly my soul waits upon God; from Him comes my salvation." That's what we're to wait on. God, speak to my heart. Speak to my heart. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Guide me in the way of truth. That's what we're listening for. And then the second one: Proverbs eight thirty-four. Not only are we to long for him, but we are to listen to him. Blessed is a man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my door. God is looking to speak to people that will listen to him. Have you ever been frustrated when you were trying to talk to someone about something that that you knew you were right and you knew it was best for them and they just said, I'm not going to listen to you. See, God goes through that every day with his children. He walks away from our prayer time with a broken heart because he knows, he knows what he wants for his children. And he's told us the truth. I will take care of you. I will never block something that's good for you. And yet we walk away and we walk away. We walk away. The next time you, if you find you a place and I suggest you try to find one, you may have several places where you can have a quiet time. Here's what I want to suggest. Go to that place and uh, listen. Don't go there and try to think of something to tell God. Just go and listen. Just be still and know He's God. And whether He speaks through a bird... Or whether he speaks to a Bible teacher or minister or friend. Or maybe that still small voice that the Holy Spirit has that sometimes is louder than the strongest amplifiers in the world. Let God say something to you. You know what he's going to tell you? Number one is I love you. Number two is I do have a plan for your life. Number three is thank you for taking this time with me. And number four is I'll speak to you now. You know the reason God doesn't speak to a lot of us? Because he knows we're not listening. How's God going to speak to you? We like our music louder. We like our crowds bigger, bigger crowds. And the Lord is saying, why can't you and I have some time together? A quiet time. No wonder we're so filled with stress. We need that quiet time. Well, we're to long for him. We're to listen to him. Then we're to look to him. We're to look to him. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Psalm 104, 27. These all wait for you that you may give them food in due season. I hope I don't hurt the feelings of any animal lovers here. I am one. My wife went to heaven and she thinks all three of her dogs are there. Before she got there, I'm sure. I'm not so certain, especially about one of them. It bit my face off one Sunday morning about 8 o'clock. <laughs> some of you saw the mustache. The reason I wore that is because my wife's dog bit me in the face on Sunday morning. But <laughs> I'm going to hurt some feelings right now, but so it's okay, okay? You know why your dog loves you? It's not because you're the sweeter than your husband or sweeter than your wife or, or give them more attention or whatever. You know why he loves you? You know why he's so cute and likes to cuddle up in your lap when the company comes over and just sits by you and lets you pet him? There's three reasons. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> Period. Anything else is a byproduct. You quit feeding that dog and he'll run off. Right? So I see some that had a lot of pets in their lifetime. They'll run off. But you see, when God speaks, we're not supposed to be like a puppy wanting him to feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Give me what I want, give me what I want. I want this, more of that, so what. No, no. What we're supposed to do is love God unconditionally. Oh, yes, he will feed you. And the better the food will be in direct proportion to the more of your obedience. You obey him, and he will. He will pour out the windows of heaven upon you. And then finally, not only we long for him, listen to him and look to him, but we've got to live for him. Proverbs twenty-seven, eighteen: whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruits. So he who waits on his master will be honored. Those that take care of the fig trees, they get to eat the fruit. They're the first ones to the fruit. And those that wait on God get the benefit of all of the leftovers, all of the things that God has for us. So when we do these four things, we exchange our weakness for his strength. When we long for him, listen to him, look to him, live for him, everything begins to fall in place. saw something on television yesterday afternoon on the Golf Channel. I never thought of it, but it fits perfect as I close my sermon. I like to watch these golfers. They're incredible. Incredible how they can hit that little ball so many yards and with such accuracy. But the story yesterday was a little bit different. It had to do with the with the greenskeepers and the superintendents of, at the golf course that have to get that course ready for those pros to come because there are a bunch of them are spoiled brats. And they want to criticize, you know, they had a bad score where the grass was one thousandth of an inch too tall or the sand was too soft in the sand trap. The guy that sweats it out all year long is that one guy that's responsible for keeping that course in perfect condition in order that the players could play. That's where the pressure is. Because if he doesn't, he'll be fired and it'll be an uproar. It'll be an uproar. You see, God wants to prepare us He's taking the pressure to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. That's the mission statement of this church. If you're a guest this morning, he wants us to reflect him. And when Jesus had every opportunity to come under stress, he went to the father said, not my will, but thine be done. And God took the son and let him sleep in a storm. Let him even on the cross say, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, not my will thine be done. It is finished and the rest is history. But then there's service that has to fall into this. Verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. You see, God wants us to mount up, run, and walk. What will keep us from it? Adversity. The storms of life. Remember the song, the storms of life are raging? When the storms of life are raging, what's the next line? Stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. That's what he does. When the storms come, And we see the hurricane season now and we're watching that, all of us on the coast. But you see, there's a bigger storm brewing in the world right now. And we want to know which way is it going to go? Well, it's going to go when the Lord comes back again. Those that know him will go and forever will be with the Lord. Those that don't will spend eternity separated from him. And so as we go out of this building, with the trials dark on every hand, there's opportunities for us to change today, today. And there are the necessities if we're going to get it done. There's got to be a foundation. And that's the solid rock of Jesus Christ. The word of God is our weapon, sharper than a two-edged sword. Our goal is eternal life. Our purpose is to glorify him. And our responsibility today is to share with everybody we know how much God loves them. God does not love me more than he loves anybody else. God loved his only begotten son and he has the same love for us. And for us to be stressed rather than let go and let God have his way must break the heart of God. Anybody ready to soar? Are you ready to just stay down and scratch around? One day it's going to be finished. The battle will be over. The point of the message today, get out from under the stress. Start joining in freedom now as you walk with God. And then if you know the truth, it will set you free. And again, the Lord said, if I set you free, you're free indeed. My final point. You want to walk today free of stress? Real simple. Put your hand in the hand of Jesus. He will lead you, guide you, strengthen you, provide for you. Hey, folks, this is not rocket scientist stuff. He says you've got to come as a little child. And that's what a little child does. Daddy stands there, and the little one and just jump into his arms. She don't know if he's been to the gym or not. All she knows is the father said, jump, and I'm jumping. That's what it means to trust God. He says, if you will quit getting stressed out by the affairs of this world, this is not your home. You're here for a little while. Life is but a vapor, and it'll vanish away. But you can go out of here today knowing that you know that Jesus is your life and your salvation. Whom shall I fear? I'm his child.